Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And welcome to Inside the NBLC. I'm Scott Squires and very pleased to be joined today by the head coach and general manager of the St. John's Edge over there in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. This is Coach Jeff Dunlap. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. Hope you are. I am indeed. Uh, I know we were talking just before we came on live here about how nice it is to be able to uh, enjoy some actual spring-like weather and i know where i am here in truro it's really nice but you're down i believe down in the carolinas now what's uh, i mean isn't isn't it always nice down there coach <laughs> i'll tell you what it's a pretty nice place to live uh yeah and it's spectacular right now it's about 70 degrees and crystal crystal clear outside and, and a nice breeze and and uh you know, if you if you, if you're not if you're not coaching basketball, this is uh, the second best place to be. I'll tell you that. Now, I I obviously can't see you because we're on the phone, but I'm somehow picturing you wearing a very kind of touristy looking uh, Hawaiian style short sleeve shirt and some form of shorts. Am I am I close at all? You're very close. You're you're. <laughs> Now the shirt I have to say is 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 uh, I, I I've got my edge on right now so I'm I'm representing, but uh, but things the shorts absolutely I put the pants away for six months. <laughs> Not a bad deal. Hey, good that you're representing the edge down there on uh, in the Carolinas. So, coach, uh, got a lot to talk about this afternoon. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, what a whirlwind it was. I mean, it it seems. That all not that long ago, the St. John's Edge uh, didn't even exist. And lo and behold, you guys have put together an incredible inaugural season as an expansion team. Uh, just kind of your overall thoughts, Coach, on a, on a pretty a pretty amazing and exciting season. It was. And, and uh, to say that I had any anticipation of how well it would go, I, I, I'd be lying. I, I did not know it would go that well. Um you know, when when they it's been written about and talked about quite a bit. But when when they first hired me, you know, we didn't even have a team name, or not a single player on our roster, and we were just a matter of a few weeks away from training camp. Uh, 
I flew into St. John's and saw everything for the first time just two weeks before training camp. And at that point in time, uh, we still did not have a full training camp roster. Um, so through a lot of hard work and a lot of connections and a lot of scrambling, uh, we assembled a team that, that uh, came together quickly and really turned out to be much more competitive than I had ever dreamed. And I'm, and I'm delighted for how that, how that played out. Uh, and uh, then the city just took to us, man. They embraced us, and, and basketball was new to them. It was exciting for them. They, they were, it's a hockey community uh, uh, historically, but I think they came with a, with a hint of curiosity, uh, and, uh, and it caught fire. And uh, with every game, the attendance went up and up and up, and, and uh, we had a lot of people working very hard uh, to make this successful. And uh, looking back on it now for in the rearview mirror, it was a tremendous six months in St. John's. I know that when you and I had opportunity to meet and chat for the first time, it was way back in November. It was the first home game for the Moncton Magic in Moncton. And I uh, had a chat to talk, a chance to talk to you. And, and being that I'm from St. John's originally myself, and you were still kind of new to the whole area and, and getting to know it, we had a conversation. And I said, Coach, I said, I'd be shocked if at the end of this season that you didn't love the city and that the city didn't embrace you and uh, you would both have a kind of a mutual love affair. When did you get the sense that it was going to go that way? You know, pretty, pretty early in the process, you know, I I would say into our second homestand, which would have been in December, uh, mid December before we left for Christmas or, or whatnot that, you know, we had gotten off to a good start. Our first five games were on the road, and, and we went three and two on the road trip, which is always a good thing if you can keep your head above water on the road. And we were very competitive. In the two games that we lost, we lost by like two points. And it was, uh, we knew right then, at least from the Atlantic side of things, that we knew we could be competitive in the league. And so people were excited from that standpoint. But then, uh, you know, once we got into playing at home and, and the excitement level, high scoring, you know, we, we really pushed the ball and we got out. We shot a lot of threes. There was a lot of action. And I think people were really just excited with the level of play uh, and, and, and how good the players were. Um, and, and for that, uh, I think that's when the love affair started. Uh, certainly the, the players did a terrific job. Um, you know, we had, you know, we had great community involvement, uh, and you got to give a lot of credit to uh, my assistant general manager, Trevor Murphy, who worked with the ice caps. Uh, he knew everybody in town and, and connected us in, in every direction that we could possibly go. And so we were doing things on the floor, off the floor, during games, after games, on days off. And, uh, and that really enhanced the relationship between the people of St. John's and our team. And uh, uh, we became their team. We were their team. We didn't share, we didn't share the stage with anybody. And, uh, and, and for that, it, it just, you know, it added to the overall experience. A couple of players. I mean, obviously it's, it's a team game and, and everybody's important, but a couple of real neat uh, side stories, if you will, with some of your players. And I'm not going to go down the obvious route right away, coach. I'm actually going to talk about another player that I think it was such a neat story. And when I heard his name, I knew that there would be a connection with the fans in St. John's and in Newfoundland and Labrador, Jared Skeet. (laughs) Yeah, we found out, we found out right away what a Skeet was. (laughs) It was crazy. 
And uh, the people loved him. I think he had the hottest selling jersey of anybody on our team except maybe Carl English. But uh, people loved Jaron Ski. He was a fan favorite. And I'll tell you what, a great young man. Great young man. And he, he rolled with it. And uh, he got out there and took pictures with everybody and signed autographs uh, just tirelessly. Uh, he embraced his last name, <laughs> to say the least. Well, it's it's really funny because, you know, there's a lot of unique sayings and terms uh, that you will only find in and around St. John's and in Newfoundland and Labrador in particular. But skeet, for those that may not be familiar, it's not exactly a term of endearment. But right. I think over the course of the season, because of Jared and because of how the town and the city embraced them and the fans, I think that the overall feel and interpretation of Skeet has now changed to be a positive. I have, you are right on. I, I agree with you 100% it has. Uh, you say Skeet and they think Jaron Skeet and, and how well he played. So uh, I think he did change. The, now he did change the definition in St. John's. Of course, that would lead me to another player that, speaking of St. John's, no stranger to the city, to the province, and to basketball in Canada, really, Carl English. And as a sports fan and as a basketball fan, but certainly as a Newfoundlander, when uh, I saw the announcement of Carl English being signed to the St. John's Edge, I knew that that was going to be something special. And if uh, the team ever had a chance to be embraced and to be a success in the stands and around the community... That was a big part of it. Uh, what did you know about the signing when it happened, and when did you realize what an impact having Carl English would have, not only as a player because he's quality, but just in terms of the connection with the fans? Uh, you know, right away, certainly when I got there, everybody talked about the possibility of a one of Newfoundlanders' own playing uh, for the edge. I actually coached against Carl when he was at Hawaii several years ago when I was at the University of Georgia. So I was familiar with him. Uh, I had not followed his career in Europe, however, and then once I got a chance to see what he had accomplished, I, I knew that you were getting a, a very, very good basketball player. But like you said, his connection to the community, and, and he was a fan favorite without question, and, and he brought uh, he brought so much to the, to the table, the intangibles that he brought to the table with his connections, leadership, uh, uh, veteran uh, appreciation for pro basketball and, and knowing uh, the ins and outs. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he did a tremendous job this year. He's deserving of all the accolades that he received. And, and, uh, and it was great for Newfoundland. It was great for the Newfoundlanders to be able to actually watch him play live and in person. Uh, that means a lot to a lot of people there. And another guy that meant a lot to the team. And so many neat stories in terms of getting woven into the fabric of the community. Charles Hinkle and this whole Hinkle Hoops movement. Maybe just a couple of words about, uh, you know, Charles and, and how he was embraced by the community. Well, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in Charles Hinkle. I, I, I've got some contacts in the NBA. and When, when everything started, uh, when I got the job and I knew I had to start fielding a team, uh, I called a couple of uh, G League uh, general managers that I knew, and, and uh, the one that with the Milwaukee Bucks told me, uh, you know, he said, J.D., I'm telling you, take him. Just take him. They had to cut him. He went to the Milwaukee Bucks for a training camp workout, and, and uh, they loved him, but he just, you know, for whatever reason, didn't fit the bill to make their G League team. 
And uh, so I reached out to him. He went to Los Alamitos High School in Southern California, and I knew his high school coach very well because I'm from Southern California. So we started to connect all the dots and, and uh, talk to his agent and got him to agree to come to the Canadian League, even though he did have some reservations about it. He wasn't sure. And uh, he was looking to maybe go back to Europe where he had played before. But by getting him and then seeing how good he was, uh, that was a huge piece to our success. He shot the ball so well and was such a threat and with great size and length at about 6'6", smooth left-handed jumper, and, and boy, you give him space at all, and, and it was down. And you combine that with Carl English and that you got two of the best shooters in the league, one flanking one side and then, and then the other uh, the other side of the floor. And uh, it gave us a one-two punch that, that brought us a lot of victories. Well, I would encourage fans to uh, check out YouTube and the Hinkle Hoops bl- uh, vlog where he uh, has got this uh, YouTube channel and he kind of documents uh, the daily life uh, in the world of Charles Hinkle and the basketball player. So that's really cool. And again, I would encourage folks to check that out on YouTube. So coach, we've talked about the regular season. You guys had a great year, 30 and 19 overall when you include the playoffs in the regular season, second in the central behind the London Lightning, who we'll get to in a minute. But your first round series against uh, somewhat of maybe a dark horse team, but a a very good team nonetheless, Uh, the Windsor Express. Uh, You took them out 3-0. But uh, what, quickly, what were your thoughts on that series with Windsor? Well, I think you know, I think they do a very good job at Windsor, and uh, they're well coached, and they had good players, and they they've had a lot of success there. They've won the, the league championship twice in their history, so uh, there were a team that they were a team that we knew we had to to really you know get ready to play and 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 be prepared, and and I thought we were. I thought uh, they were hurt without not having Omar Strong hurt them. I thought one of their better guards, I thought that brought them a, a dimension that they missed in the playoffs. Uh, but that's just part of the postseason. Uh, you know, we all miss guys here and there with injuries. But I thought that one hurt them a little bit, maybe gave us a good opportunity for the sweep. But uh, our kids played great, too. I thought Desmond Lee had a fabulous series. And, and he's a young man who played for me at North Carolina State, who we brought in at, at the beginning in training camp. And he was out of shape and, and not terrific, but we hung in there with him. And, I knew what he could bring us, and, and Desmond was uh, as impactful as anybody in that series, both defensively and offensively. And, uh, and we know we caught fire at home. We won the first game in overtime. It was a grind. And then the next two, we just kind of we knew what we had to do to beat them, and, and uh, we took care of business in three straight. That, of course, uh, brought you into the division final series against the London Lightning, uh, the team that finished just ahead of you in the regular season. And uh, because of the geography and the travel, it was a 2-3-2 setup. So the first two games were in London, then three in St. John's, and then back to London. Uh, It ended up being a uh, 4-2, six-game win, a six-game series win for the London Lightning. Uh, You split in London, but then coming back home, that's where St. John's and the edge, I think everybody outside of St. John's thought that that's where the edge could kind of equalize with the Lightning and take advantage of that home court at mile one center. But London's such a deep team, they ended up taking two out of three in St. John's and probably overall the difference in the series. But maybe just your thoughts on a really tough series against London, Coach. Really tough. And, and you know, you look at the London Lightning and, and they are a team that uh, returned nine players from a year ago that won the that won the, uh, the league championship overall. So they, they had experience. Uh, they knew what it 
uh, took to win. They understood how to elevate your game in the postseason and how to play the big possessions and, and the big points when when they needed to be played. Uh, I felt that was one of the the uh, the main things that stuck out to me uh, is how well and how prepared they were for for big moments in games. Um, some people look at our first game that we lost, where we had the lead at the uh, regulation. We had the lead both in both overtime segments, and then and then we we fell short in game one. But I'll tell you, we ended up coming back and bounced back well in game two and got the split that you hope to get whenever you start a series like that. And I think you're absolutely right. When we came home, we thought we would we could at least get two out of three, and, and it went the other way. They got two out of three, and they won the two swing games, game three and game five. Both those games were played when we were tied and even, and uh, if had we won those, we would have gone up in the series, and we didn't take care of business. So the series was definitely lost in St. John's, uh, and that stings a little bit because we had been so good at home. Uh, all year long, but you got to give credit to to the London Lightning. I mean, they're an expert, like I said, an experienced team, knew how to win, and uh, and and they got it done. Well, you know, you hear it all the time, and sometimes it's a cliche, but the playoffs is a second season. Everything does ratchet up and go to another level. I mean, just from my own experience covering the Moncton Magic, seeing what happened with them, Magic, a very good, very veteran laden team, but they came up against. Similar to London in terms of returning players and and great systems, well coached, the Halifax Hurricanes. And we see what Halifax, at least through two games, is doing to London. They're up 2-0. We'll see what happens when they go back to London. But overall, Coach, uh, you know, there's there's that saying in sports, and, and coaches probably would say, wow, no, I don't want to – no, I don't like losing. But one of the sayings is you gotta lo- you got to lose to learn how to win. How much did the experience of the regular season, but more so the playoffs, uh, help this team and help you in preparations for next year? Oh, my goodness. I can't even tell you. As successful as I feel it was, as proud as I am of everything that we accomplished, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of things I would do differently. And uh, that laundry list will be exposed uh, down the line when I, you know, lock and load on on what needs to be done for next year. But, you know, there were things that – that hurt us down the stretch. Uh, there were some things, uh, personnel-wise, decisions to be made that uh, who to play and how to play and what to do. And, and whenever you're in a series, matchups mean so much. And that's new for me. I've always, you know, when I'm a college coach and you get to the NCAA tournament, you're trying to beat somebody one time, and you survive in advance, and you beat them, and they're done. There, there's you get into a series, a pro series like this, and it was the first time I was ever in one where it's a it's a seven game series and you go from one game to the next and you're constantly making tweaks and adjustments from game to game. And a series can last over two weeks. And that's crazy to me. It's a, it was fun though, but uh, I learned a lot as a coach. The players also had to learn and adjust as well, uh, just in terms of how much effort and focus uh, mental toughness they had to bring every single day to each game of a series like that. And, um, and I, you know, hopefully that'll benefit us in the future. You're absolutely right. So now it's uh, been a couple of weeks since the season ended for you and the St. St. John's edge. And I know that it takes a little bit of time to kind of decompress and to uh, let everything sink in and absorb it. But what, uh, you know, you're down in the Carolinas, as you mentioned, enjoying the, the beautiful weather, but What's the last little bit for you been like since you got back home? What have you been up to? 
Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it is nice to be home. And obviously I wish we were playing in the finals. And I think I had a team that, that certainly could have possibly had the stars been aligned uh, to get there. Uh, if I hadn't had maybe Alex Johnson go down, if I hadn't had a couple things happen like that, where you look at uh, some things that impacted the playoff series. But now that it's over and I'm home, it, it's great to be home with family. I didn't take my wife and kids up to Newfoundland to live. Uh, they stayed here because at their ages with the school that they're dealing schools that they're in, it was just not, it wasn't good timing to pull them out of American schools here. Uh, so great to be home. Uh, great to be back into what would be my normal routine. Uh, not doing much basketball wise right now, watching the Halifax London series, of course, interested to see who wins there in the NBA playoffs. But, uh, this is the time of year where you, you, you break out a bag of peanuts and you watch some baseball games and you get out in the sun a little bit. You kind of have to leave it behind uh, because you're going to, once the summer hits, once July, August hits, then you have to double up your effort and refocus and lock in and, and start building a team again. Uh, so uh, right now it's, it's total detox. It's total <laughs> just relax and, uh, and get away from it. Get away from that everyday grind. Trying to get away from it, and then you've got some guy in Nova Scotia calling you up to come on a podcast and talk basketball. <laughs> that's, yeah, you're right, but that's quite all right. So, Coach, you referenced you know some of the things that you learned this season, and certainly down the stretch and into the playoffs, and and you know some of those differences from that college style and tournament style to a long, drawn out seven game series. With all the things that you've learned, all of the takeaways, the notes that you've made, I know that you're detox right now, but when your shift and your focus goes back to the basketball side, the operation side, the player side, what are going to be a couple of priorities that are really at the top of the list for you to do for the St. John's Edge ahead of next season? Well, professional well, basketball, really sports, let me go all the way back and generalize it to the sports level. Sports is all about the athlete. It's all about who you have, whether he's running bases or, or uh, flicking a puck or whether he's playing basketball or, or whatever he's doing. How good those athletes are will, will be indicative of how good you are as a team. Uh, so that's the first thing that's going to uh, be on my docket. You know, when I get going here, and I'll have a lot more time this time than just a couple of weeks. Now we have some months in front of us where we can really build a roster that doesn't have any holes in it at all. If you can, you know, you want to get the best players you can. Certainly you got to work within salary cap restrictions, but you want to build a team that, that has the inside game, the outside game, the, the leadership on the floor, the shooting on the floor, however, whatever style of play you're going to play. Um, we were fortunate this year that we did land good players and I, but I think that was only with two or three weeks. I think, whew, if we get two or three months, I hope it's even that much better. Uh, so going forward, uh, you know, that's, that's what I have learned. Uh, it's a player's game, really more so even at the pro level than the college level. It, it's, a, it's a player's game, and, and you got to have uh, the Johnnies and the Joes more than the X's and the O's, as they say, and, and that's what i got to go get. I like that one. I, you know what, Coach? I thought I've heard all the cliches that there are, but the what well, say that one again? The Johnnies and the Joes instead of the X's and the O's. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Johnnies and the Joes. And, uh, obviously, I, that that's just the statement for the players. You got to have players. I think uh, I think there's bumper stickers and shirts and hats in the future of that saying, Coach. <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. You talk about the players and having more time 
to that end, I know that it's been something that Moncton has experienced because the players had such a great time there. The organization treated them so well. And I'm uh, paraphrasing, but basically the players' attitude at the end of the season was, this was a tremendous professional atmosphere. We were treated like professionals. And I say that because it seems to be happening that there are now players and agents reaching out to the team rather than the team having to beat the bushes to find players. I'm wondering, because of the tremendous um, uh, reception that the edge got in St. John's and how well the team did on the court, but certainly in the seats and with the fans as well, have you noticed a bit of a residual from that point of view as well for you guys? Are you kind of having that happen with maybe players and agents reaching out to you guys? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, the word's out that uh, our ownership group did a first-class job handling our team, and that's not always the case throughout the world, not just in Canada, but anywhere. Uh, and if you get a if you get a solid ownership group behind you and, and they understand how to do it and what's right and wrong, how to treat people, uh, then that's a, that goes a long way in this community of, of professional basketball. And that said, we have received calls and, and overtures from players and agents that are very interested in joining the Edge next year. And that will certainly help us and aid us in, in building the roster. Uh, so, you know, that, there's a lot to be said for that. And a credit to Rob Sabah and Erwin Simon and our ownership group that did a great job with the Edge from the get-go. Well, Coach, uh, the next season isn't that far away, but – as we kind of get uh, to the point where I'm going to wrap up with you here and let you get back and enjoy uh, some of that Carolina sunshine, overall, what was the St. John's experience like? And I mean professional side and, and coaching the team and, and in the gym aside, just the experience, St. John's experience and people, the culture, and the city of St. John's itself. What was that like for you? Because you've been a lot of places. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you what, this was very unique and very, very special. These people, and you know, you're a Newfoundlander, boy, do they cherish their own, and we became their own, and their own very quickly. Um, and, and I'd like to give credit to, to our ownership, as I, as I just did, but also the people that worked in the front office. I mentioned Trevor Murphy, and there's a young man by the name of Kenny O'Leary, who was just unbelievable for us as far as connecting us to the community. And and you, you talk about the uh, the experience of Newfoundland and the fans. Well, you know, those fans got a, a shot of, of the edge every day on social media, thanks to Kenny. And, and he pushed out all kinds of stories and he promoted the players. And the players became celebrities in that town. And for that, it became very special for the players. And the players, you know, they, they understood the responsibility that was associated with being a celebrity of sorts. And, and so they got out into the community and they signed autographs after every game. And they did some things that, that just made this experience so special because we weren't sharing it with an NBA team or an NHL team. There was nobody else in town for them to come to. And so the children of, of Newfoundland, they, they went to the elementary schools and the middle schools and high schools, edge gear on and hats and signed autographs. And, and uh, you know, I can't tell you to, to be recognized that way and to know that you mean that much to those people. 
that that's special. That gives you goosebumps that uh, that that happened. And uh, so I, you know, this was an unreal experience. I, I would think it would only get better from here. But being that it was the inaugural year, uh, and we didn't know what we were doing. I was the blind leading the blind, going in the front door. And uh, but looking at it now in the rearview mirror, holy mackerel! What an unbelievable time that I had personally, and the time that our players enjoyed. Well, it was uh, it was absolutely sensational. The obligatory St. John's question: Did you get screeched in, Coach? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got screeched in. I heard all about it. We had a great screecher. I think that that's what you call him. He did a wonderful job down there on George Street. I kissed the cod, big dog. I kissed the cod. Took the shot and and uh, tried to to mumble out some of the Newfoundland sayings. And we we had a ball. We actually did it with our whole team. And uh, all the uh, the non-Newfoundlanders, of course, they were all but one of us with, with Carl, uh, got a chance to do that. And, and that was a big night. Very special. <laughs> well, it is. And if anyone has never experienced that, uh, there's plenty of videos floating around YouTube and the Internet that show different variations of the screeching in. But kissing the cod and taking the shot, you're official now, Coach. That's it. You are <laughs> always welcomed in the province. I've got my certificate. It will be framed and on my office wall soon. <laughs> You'll have to send us a picture of that for sure. <laughs> I will. The other thing I got to ask you is St. John's, one of my favorite things about going back to, to Newfoundland and Labrador, but certainly St. John's, is I can get good fish and chips outside of Newfoundland and outside of St. John's, but man, there's something about some of the fish and chip joints in St. John's that blow my mind. Chess's is one that comes to mind. But did you have a did you get a chance to have fish and chips? And was there a place or two in St. John's that you really enjoyed going? You know, for a pregame meal or post game or just on an off day? You know, I, I got to be honest with you. I love fish, but I'm not a fried fish guy. So I, I, you know, I you what you're speaking of though. Everybody talks about. Everybody loves the fish and chips, and and I, I, I can tell you about some spectacular fish and chips. But I did more of the the grilled fish and the shellfish that, 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 uh, people enjoyed there, the, the lobsters and the crabs and, the, and clams and oysters. And Oh my gosh, there were, there's fabulous restaurants and it would be unfair for me to tell you one or two that I really thought were the best because they're more like 10 or 12, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I can see where St. John's is a great tourist destination. Certainly this time of year when, when the weather kind of sheds away and, and it's uh, and the weather gets to be really nice, uh, there's, there's some fabulous things to do in that town and, uh, uh, and eating fish is one of them. <laughs> now I got to ask you this coach. And if you've never heard it before, you'll be prepared the next time you go back. But do you know what a fee and chi with D and G is? I don't, I, I don't know that. <laughs> that is a, an order of fish and chips with dressing uh -huh. and gravy on the fries. Uh -oh. Oh, there you go. Now I had I had the gravy on the fries. I did have that one, man. That was pretty good. <laughs> That's great. Well, for the for the full immersive experience, uh, next time you're back in St. John's, I know you may not be a fried fish guy, but go for a one piece fee and chi with D and G. And if you order it that way, I I think it'd be pretty cool because they'll probably know what you're talking about. I'm I'm gonna do it. I may FaceTime you when I do it, so we can sit there and you can watch me power it down. Oh, well, I'd love that, but it'd make me a little jealous and homesick, but I would definitely enjoy it for sure. <laughs> there you go. Listen, we're going to wrap up with you here in a sec, Coach, but you talked about the NBA playoffs. Maybe just get your thoughts. I'm a Celtics fan. 
No Kyrie. Uh, Marcus Smart was hurt for a while. He's back. We all know about Gordon Hayward not being in the lineup. But I don't think anybody thought the Celtics would do what they've done to this point. Uh, but the debate rages on every time the playoffs roll around in particular about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, LeBron or Michael Jordan. And there's there's two camps for sure. But do you think that generally basketball fans really get a sense of what they're watching when they watch LeBron James? Whew, I'll tell you what I do. I, I think he's unreal. And I, and I, I think the arguments are fun to have and, and certainly compelling, but you know, how to, who's to say one person is better than another and who the ultimate greatest was of all time. I think there's, you can lump a, a class of people together and, and say that that group is the greatest of all time, all respective to their own eras. But, uh, LeBron is absolutely amazing to me at his size to do to do what he does and and he reminds me not the same type of not the same type of player as Magic Johnson but you know somebody who could handle the ball and create things for himself and for others in a in a championship way and you know he's getting ready if he can beat Boston they're getting ready to go he's getting ready to go to his eighth straight NBA finals you know with two different teams that that's that's unprecedented and uh, though he hasn't won every series, he, he's taking teams there. And if they run into the likes of the uh, Golden State Warriors, who I don't know if anybody can beat them, uh, that's no fault of his. The fact that he's got Cleveland in the position that they're in again is, is amazing. Uh, you know, I like your Celtics, man. I, I, I'm surprised the Celtics are doing as well as they are, given the injuries to, the, to two of their best players early on this season and, and not having those guys in play. Uh, it shows you how good – Brad Stevens is. He's a special son of a gun now. And he can be mentioned among the great coaches in the NBA, current and past. Um, but this time of year, NBA playoffs are fun. They play so much harder and, and there's so much more passion. Uh, the theater is spectacular. And even though we all tend to think the Golden State Warriors are probably going to win again, uh, it's it's fun to see if any one of these teams can step up and knock them off. I think that next series will be really interesting to see. Uh, you know, but um, uh, I, I, I know you're a Celtics fan. I'm an old Lakers fan with great appreciation for the rivalry our two teams had. Uh, and I wish I could get the Lakers back on track. <laughs> get them back in the mix somehow. But uh, it's good to have the Celtics in there. Well, listen, the rumor mill, if you believe any of it, has got uh, Paul George and LeBron James going to the Lakers in the offseason. So who knows what will happen. But I think there's a 30 for 30, an ESPN 30 for 30, that uh, looks at the uh, Lakers-Celtics rivalry during the heyday of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, Coach. If if you have, you know what I'm talking about. If not, seek it out because it'll, it'll make you nostalgic and uh, it's tremendous. Yeah, no, I did see it, and I thought it was – and I lived through that era. I, I actually had season tickets to the Lakers in the mid-'80s uh, when I lived in L.A., and I was a big – and still a big Laker and Dodgers season ticket holder when I'm home, and, and got a chance to see a lot of those games live and watch the battle between Larry and Magic live, along with the other host of characters that, that were so good, Kareem and Worthy and down the line. But, um that was a special era, but just like this one is now, you know, the, the Warriors are something else. And it's there to remind me of some of those teams of the 70s and 80s. And, and the question is, who can knock them off? You know, for the Lakers, it finally became the Pistons finally caught them. And then the Bulls finally caught them. And, and you just wonder who will finally catch Golden State. Somebody's going to catch them eventually. Uh, you can't sit at the top of the mountain forever. Uh, so that's part of the drama. 
So a couple of quick ones before we let you go. Don't want to look past the 76ers, but the Celtics up 3-1. They got a game at home. Let's, as a Celtics fan, let's kind of assume dangerously, but let's let's put the Celtics past the Sixers. I'm going to get your picks real quick. Uh, Celtics, Cavs, and Houston, Golden State. Who you got? I'm going to go Cavs just because I just don't think you can go against LeBron with the roster that, that the Celtics have right now. I think if the Celtics had Kyrie, if they were full strength, uh, I think that it'd probably be Boston series, but uh, I don't know if Boston has enough people. I don't know if all 12 on the floor could, could guard, could guard LeBron. I, I just think he's too good for them in that series. Uh, and then I think golden state is the team to beat overall. I just don't, even though Houston has home court advantage, I, I just think part of that was the Warriors were sleeping at the wheel a little bit going through the regular season. And of course they didn't have Curry for a minute there. And so they lost a few more games than, than Houston did. But, uh, at the end of the day, the Warriors are the are the cream of the league, the cream of the West and the cream of the league. Uh, so I think you're going to see a Cleveland-Golden uh, State final, which, of course, we've seen before. And uh, I think you're going to see a Golden State uh, NBA champion yet again. Hard to bet against that roster in Golden State. There's no doubt about it. Last thing I'm going to ask you, Coach, and you mentioned Brad Stevens, and right now he's arguably considered one of the best coaches in the NBA, and, and who knows where he'll fall all time. but He's definitely getting a lot of accolades and something you're hearing a lot about and in particular to do with Brad Stevens are what they call these ATOs, plays that are called after a timeout. Is this something that has always carried weight with coaches having these ATOs or is it has it started to take on more of a role in games and with coaches? So I guess the quick question is, has it always been around or is it more prevalent now than it ever was? No, I think it's always been around. I think when a team comes out of a timeout, you, you kind of think, you know, has that coach drawn up a play or, or have they done something, some specific action to take advantage of something that they see? Otherwise, the flow of the game in basketball, the, the coach is not as involved during the game. You know, when you're practicing with your team is when you establish kind of the flow of your team and how you play in a transitional way. Otherwise, basketball is a game of instincts and reactions and spontaneous reads, and you, you really can't get out there and overthink the game. And, and so I always say don't overcoach your team. You, know, you kind of got to get out of the way a little bit and let your guys go. Put them in a position to be successful and then let them go. Uh, if they're good players and they can make good reads, then, then you've done a good job at least putting them on the floor to, to make those reads. But when you're coming out of a timeout, now you have a set. And now you have a set defense and a set offense. And so now this is your time as the coach to say, we're going to run whatever, and we're going to look for this based on what you see the other team doing. And if it works, then you go, hey, that coach drew up a good play or the ATO worked or whatever. I, I think there is more of a – I think people are – the perception on the outside is people are putting more of an emphasis on it. Media is putting more of an emphasis on it. Uh, but I think it's always been there in the profession from a, from a coaching standpoint. And I've been coaching for 30 years. I think timeout plays after timeout plays at the beginning of a half uh, sideline out of bounds plays underneath out of bounds plays. Those are all opportunities for the coach to shine. And um, uh, you know, it's always been part of the game. So yeah, no, I don't think that that's much different today than it has been all along. Well, coach, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know that, you're uh, down in the Carolinas, back home with uh, your family, unwinding, relaxing. But 
We definitely appreciate it after a long grind of a season. Just under 3,600 fans at home per game. The edge averaged. You guys put just under 90,000 people in the season. A tremendous year. We wish you continued success, Coach, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again, perhaps maybe uh, just before the beginning of next regular season to catch up, see how things are uh, down south of the 49th parallel, and check on other things. And, again, if you if you, if you you have a chance to get the fee and chi with DG, you got to FaceTime the coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Trust me. After the way you're the way you're playing it up here, I gotta do that. So next time I'm in St. John's, that will happen. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's been a real pleasure, Coach. All the best to you, sir, and uh, enjoy your time during the off season. And we will talk to you again real soon. Very good. Thanks for the time. You're very welcome. That was Coach Jeff Denlap. Uh, Coach Dunlap, of course, the head coach of the St. John's Edge of the National Basketball League of Canada, and he's also the general manager. He's at home in the Carolinas, and today he was joining us on Inside the NBLC, and we certainly appreciate the coach's time. I'm Scott Squires. Thank you so much for tuning in, my friends. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.